No doubt you remember the craziness of last October, October of 2020. It was a surreal time in Washington, D.C., as the super spreader in chief and his wife were in quarantine after testing positive for COVID-19, as had many others associated with the White House, including aides, senators, and people who had attended super spreader events. By the time this Tracina came into place at that time, it was being reported that the West Wing was a ghost town. We'll look at some of the differences between then and now after I welcome you to episode 33 of Navigating the Energies of Life, a podcast that looks at how the energies of the Maya calendar are at work in the world and how they apply to daily lives. This is Marguerite Paquin, as always, and within this system we're working with energies, not a mechanical clock, but rather a cycle of forces with specific characteristics. A 260-day system that involves the cycling of 20 unique solar forces in combination with 13 unique numerical powers to create a count of days called a Zulkan. I should also provide the reminder that different language groups within the Maya realm used different names for this cycle, but it was always the same cycle, involving 260 unique days that just keep revolving. Every individual was seen as being a kind of carrier of the energetic imprint of the forces that were in play at the time of their birth, in the sense that those birth energies would influence who they were meant to be and how they were to follow their life's path. The Tresinas, or 13-day periods within this system, were seen as very important, with each of these periods also having particular characteristics, something that I refer to in both my horoscope blog and this podcast. The 13-day periods always tie in with the initiating energy, the first day, of whatever Tresina we happen to be in. At the moment, we're in the Khan Tresina, with the first few days being the final part of the creation sequence that we went through during the last Tresina, with these particular days often being seen as a time of testing. In fact, much of this Tresina could be seen as setting things up for the next significant shift point that comes up at the start of the next, the forthcoming Tresina. But I don't want to get ahead of myself here, so let's look at what we're working with now within this Con Tresina, which is all about germination. Like that delicate phase when a small seed begins to sprout. If you want it to grow, it needs to be nurtured carefully. In my horoscope 
blog for this period in mayacalendararts.com or whitepoppress.ca, I included an image of the rather formidable deity known as Itzla Koliqui, the god of frost, who was seen as one of the patrons of this period. Of all the various Mesoamerican deities who serve as patrons of the various calendrical tracinas, he is one of the strangest looking, very pale and otherworldly looking, almost surreal. His face is generally portrayed as a blindfolded, curved, black obsidian blade which was traditionally thought to represent this deity's blindness to the hardships that might be inflicted on farmers and their families if a bad frost came in to destroy their vulnerable crops. According to a legend, an Aztec legend, he is a variant, or perhaps the flip side or dark side, of the deity known as Tlahuizcalpantecutli, Lord of the Dawn, or Venus, who, after a shooting match with the sun god known as Tonatya during the creation of the fifth world, was punished by Tonatya and transformed into Isla Koliqui, god of stone and coldness. This is seen as the reason for it being chilly at dawn during part of the year, a chilliness caused by this frost god. But eventually he would leave and then the farmers could begin sowing the seeds for their crops. This represents a kind of delicate balance since frost wasn't necessarily bad. If timed right, it was thought of to be kind of like rain, adding moisture to the earth, which was needed for a good harvest. This god of frost was generally shown carrying a broom, symbolic of the idea of sweeping something clean or even sweeping away sins in order to prepare for the germination of the bounty to come. The general idea is to carefully nurture, but not endanger, new opportunities. As always, this is a metaphor for the need to not necessarily get carried away with enthusiasm if some new opportunity comes along. Be optimistic, but be cautious at the same time, especially during this period. Tied in with these ideas, there's often an emphasis on working with the unseen or the unknown during this period. There's often a sense that something is shifting or something is on the horizon, but we aren't quite sure what. In the image of this Tresina in the blog, you can see a second patron for this time frame as well. He was known as Black Smoking Mirror, representative of the mysteries of the cosmos and, very importantly, 
of the fate of the earth. It's quite easy to see how these ideas played out the last two times this Tresina was in place. Going back two cycles ago, that was January of 2020, where there were questions and uncertainties everywhere, particularly with regard to the coronavirus warnings. As the Tresina opened, the U.S. House of Representatives impeachment managers were filing their 111-page trial brief to the Senate, and the battle was on to begin impeachment proceedings. That battle actually played out throughout this entire Tresina through the second half of January last year. It was, in essence, more of a sham than anything else, since Republicans were doing everything they could to cover things up. They wouldn't even allow witnesses during the proceedings, even though 75% of Americans polled said that they wanted witnesses to testify. It was supposed to be a trial, after all. I couldn't help but think that this was a situation where they were actively promoting blindness to the truth, tied in with that god of frost. I remember just around this time, I heard someone on TV comment that frost can put survival at risk. Hmm, I thought. Was that coincidence? Or was that a statement that pretty well summed up exactly what was going on. It was so in line with that deity and the metaphors associated with both of this Tresina's patron energies, including the one associated with the fate of the world. I mean, think about it. If witnesses had been allowed at that impeachment trial and real justice and the call for accountability had prevailed and the pretender-in-chief had been impeached at that time, if he had been replaced by someone with any sense of integrity, how many lives might have been saved? If that had happened, that would have represented the careful kind of nurturing that this Tresina was calling for. Because the fate of the world, the trajectory of what was to happen next, depended on it. But that did not happen. Instead, absolute recklessness, the opposite of what was needed, was what set the trajectory for the shift that was coming in next. During that period, the dumpster not only downplayed the coronavirus warnings, but tried to pretend that they had it totally under control. Meanwhile, the unseen was creeping in. A 35-year-old man in Washington state 
who had recently returned home after visiting family in Wuhan in China, became the first person in the U.S. to be diagnosed with COVID-19. Wuhan, the most populous city in central China, was put under quarantine lockdown. No one was allowed in or out in the biggest lockdown in the history of the world at that time, in an effort to stop the spread. The World Health Organization was warning that the whole world needs to be on alert. But all you got from the White House was denial. Fast forward one cycle to the first day of the Contracina in October of 2020, one cycle ago as of now. By then, over 35 million cases had been reported globally, and hundreds of thousands of new cases were added to that number on a daily basis. Still happening now, as we all know, over 372,000 new cases recorded yesterday. But where we were one cycle or nine months ago was at the point where over a million people had been reported as having died from the coronavirus globally. By then, the U.S. was adding over 30,000 new cases a day to their registry at that time, to the over 7.6 million who had already come down with it in that country. With the White House in chaos, the super spreader in chief in quarantine, and no plan in sight, and no vaccines available, a group called COVID Survivors for Change, a network of coronavirus survivors and victims' families, set up some 20,000 empty chairs on the lawn facing the White House to represent the over 210,000 people who had died from the coronavirus in the U.S., they wanted to draw attention to the fact that there had been no communal mourning and very few public remembrances since the pandemic began. It was a ghostly sea of empty chairs, no people sitting in them because they had all vanished. All were now unseen, and the unseen that had led to their deaths was still out there, terrorizing the world. So it was a stark beginning to this Jacina last time, with a twice impeached, at least by the House, COVID-infected pretend president still in the White House, having been supported by people more interested in their careers and their own group of deniers than in the health and welfare of the people and the country as a whole, or the world at large. 
with people in hazmat suits attempting to disinfect the White House and the U.S. presidential election just 20 days away, the word reckless was taking on a whole new meaning. By then, many were calling his callousness and ineptness homicidal for allowing so many people to die when so much could have been done to prevent it. Covidiot was another word being frequently used. By that time, many countries were acknowledging a second wave and acting accordingly. Bars and restaurants were closing in Paris. Residents of Madrid were restricted from non-essential travel. Iran was closing schools, mosques, and other public institutions, and so on, wherever closures were called for. Fortunately, things had shifted significantly by the time this Dracaena came into place this time. The White House in the U.S. is actually functioning again. President Biden has spearheaded a huge initiative to get as many people immunized as possible, with over 45% of that country, over 150 million people, now fully vaccinated. He was pushing to have 70% of U.S. adults aged 18 and older vaccinated with at least one shot by July 4th, but now realizes that that goal will fall somewhat short. Nevertheless, it appears that 70% of Americans aged 27 or older will reach that target date. So that will certainly be an important accomplishment. In addition, President Biden has restored cordial relationships with allies and is working with them to tackle many global issues, including climate change, and is working hard to get bills passed on things like infrastructure improvements and voting rights, despite the blockages that Republicans keep throwing in the way. His sense of calm and caring, his level-headedness as, well, were, as Boris Johnson said at the G7 in Cornwall, a breath of fresh air. Indeed, people are starting to breathe again, and COVID numbers, particularly death rates, have dropped radically in the U.S. and in many other places. Cities are opening up and people are cautiously returning to some semblance of life as it used to be. Although that will still take a while and normal is sure to look quite different than it was pre-COVID. Certainly a lot more people will need to get in there and get immunized before anyone can really relax. But all of this ties in perfectly right now with where we are in the calendar cycle. It's as if we've been given another chance to get it right. So, this is a delicate point in time. We have a chance to germinate 
health and germinate a new lease on life. As well, summer is here and people are anxious to get out into the sunshine, to see families and friends, to stretch and breathe and engage in life again after being cooped up for so many months. Many will be wanting to throw caution to the wind and just party their way through the summer, all incredibly understandable. All this seems to be mirrored by the young Maya corn god who represents exuberance for life and the bounties of the earth. The essence of the energy known as Khan, as in the first day of this time frame. This is also tied in with the general idea of abundance and even over-the-top opulence. For all these reasons, this is a Tresina that holds the potential to be highly robust in the sense that it can open up all sorts of possibilities for action. But, as mentioned, it can also manifest as a time of testing as new ideas or ventures start to take shape and the process of nurturing new endeavors begins. Let's not lose sight of the fact that as this Tresina opened at this time, the global number of cases had reached almost 180 million and the global death toll is just short of 4 million people. By this point, the U.S. alone has reported almost 34.5 million cases and well over 600,000 people have died there from the coronavirus. India is just short of 30 million cases. Brazil, 18 million cases with over 500,000 deaths. And on and on. And then there are the variants which still represent a great unknown, that unseen factor again. White House Medical Advisor Dr. Fauci has just warned that the Delta variant could still be, as he put it, the greatest threat to the nation's attempt to eliminate COVID-19, as it now makes up 20% of all new cases in the U.S. And we well may need boosters before too long. As far as testing is concerned, it seems that the Opening up efforts are also providing avenues for frustrations to be vented in many places as people navigate those choppy waters of how to keep safe at the same time as opening up. The issue of masking or not, close contact or not, and so on. Airlines are reporting a high increase in the number of unruly passengers, Gun violence has increased dramatically. Issues associated with misinformation and so on. 
So things could easily go awry if people are not careful. I'm recording this on the second day of this Tresina, but I want to start with yesterday's Tresina beginning, one con. The initiation of that energy associated with germination, or even the creation of new abundance, that coincided yesterday with National Indigenous Peoples Day in Canada. It was the 25th anniversary of the National Celebration of First Nations, Inuit, and Métis culture and heritage. It seems so fitting that National Indigenous Peoples Day in Canada coincided this year with one con, the planting of the seed that could germinate into something new. Because after the recent discovery of the unmarked graves of 215 Indigenous children at a former residential school in BC's interior, people are finally beginning to wake up to the fact that Indigenous peoples have suffered devastating emphasis on devastating human rights violations for decades, even centuries. As the Assembly of First Nations National Chief Perry Bellegarde put it, the systems that were in place to strip hundreds of thousands of people of their languages and culture for all those years, systems primarily run by churches, particularly the Catholic Church, that directly led to the deaths of thousands of children, meet the definition of genocide outlined in the Genocide Convention. As Chief Bellegarde said, this has woken up both the country and the world. And speaking as someone who has done some research into this history, this news made me realize that there is still so much more to learn. Although I was aware that the residential school era was a dark and shameful period that not only applied to Canada, but to many other areas where First Nations were overtaken by others, particularly during the colonial period, I'm now seeing much more deeply into how incredibly cruel, inhuman, and widespread it was. When I began looking into the history of the U.S., I discovered that the blueprint for this actually originated in the U.S. with what was called forced assimilation, being a tool that the government was using deliberately to, quote, kill the Indian and save the man, unquote. As in Canada, tens of thousands of children were separated from their families for long periods of time in the U.S. Some of the photographs that I came across in this regard were chilling and haunting. With this awakening, we will be hearing much more about all of this in the future, and it's about time. 
And just as a side note, earlier this evening, I was watching a fascinating program on the contributions of Native Americans and Canadian, Native Canadians to the music industry, generally without people really being aware that they were Indians. You could even see many of the roots of rock and roll in the examples they were showing. I'll put a link to this in the podcast post. It's called Rumble, the Indians who rocked the world. Okay, the second day of this Chisina, just basically finishing as I speak, was to Chikchen, a dynamic but sometimes polarizing type of energy associated with life force. And on this day, Democrats in the U.S. tried to advance a sweeping voting rights bill through the Senate, but were once again blocked by Republicans who, as usual, have been doing everything they can think of to restrict voting rights, especially for people of color. And so the seesaw continues. The third day of this time frame, just coming in now on June 23rd, is often a critical point within this Tresina, known as Three Kimi, representative of the activation of death or absolute foundations, as in spiritual foundations. Mythologically, this was seen as the day when the first death was invented during the creation sequence. But it's interesting to see how this has tied in with the COVID crisis, since as of this day, it will be two cycles exactly since that 35-year-old man in Washington State, who had recently returned home after visiting family in Wuhan, became the first person in the U.S. to be diagnosed with COVID-19. So that might be seen as the activation point, the activation point for all that was to follow. And looking back into history, we can see that in 1918, the very first mention of the Spanish flu also happened on a three-chemi day. The last time this was in place, last October, the global number of cases had reached over 36 million, and it's now up to 180 million cases. So take care, everyone. Formanite comes in next, which is a defining type of energy associated with reciprocity and the sun, symbolized by a deer. It has the potential to be quite harmonizing, but there's also a strong sacrificial aspect to it as well. This is George Floyd's Maya birth energy, whose death did much to raise awareness of civil rights abuses in the U.S. Two cycles ago, again, in January of 2020, this energy and the several days that followed were the ones that were in play at the time of testing associated with that sham impeachment trial 
where witnesses were not allowed to testify and presentation times were severely limited. All tactics designed to hide the truth from the American people, even though the people themselves were calling for justice. Exactly one cycle earlier, as of the midpoint of this Chasina, which is Seven Oak, so that would have been three cycles ago, which was in 2019, a petition was delivered to the U.S. Congress on behalf of a number of activist groups that contained 10 million signatures, 10 million, that called upon lawmakers to begin impeachment proceedings against the dumpster. By that time, 803 former federal prosecutors from both parties who had served in different positions all across the country had signed that document that stated that the factual details contained in the Mueller report would be grounds for indicting the obstructor-in-chief on multiple felony charges for obstruction of justice. Former FBI Director James Comey echoed this when he said that there was sufficient evidence to support that and that there were at least two incidents that prove criminal intent. That was three cycles ago, but still the battle for justice and accountability rages on. In the horoscope blog, I made note of 8 Xuan, which comes in on June 28th, along with all the other days, of course, but 8 Xuan is another of those days of particular importance to the Maya, as this is the time when Kiche Maya daykeepers celebrate the renewal of their sacred calendar traditions and initiate new daykeepers. Yes, that still goes on. Sacred fires are lit and the four sacred directions are invoked and the calendar traditions are honored. But I also noticed an interesting numerical alignment tied in with this day, this particular day on June 28th. It marks 12 Zulkan cycles since 12-12-12, December 12, 2012, which was just before the completion of the last great cycle of 5,125 Gregorian years, marked by December 21st, 2012, that day that so many people were afraid of. I'm not sure if all these 12s have any significance, but from the Maya perspective, the number 12 is associated with the idea of gathering together or pulling things together just before transformation. So keep an eye on that one. Who knows? It's 8 Xuan, that key day for the Maya after all. The following day is 9 Ebb 
which is often oriented around healing in some fashion. A good time to remind ourselves to continue to take care and remember that metaphor of the god of frost lurking in the background, representing that possible connection with coldness and even blindness, including blindness to truth. We need to keep doing everything possible to continue sweeping away the virus, the pain, the hatred, the racism and the bigotry, the spinelessness and the ignorance, especially the ignorance. And this is the Khan, Tresina, a time when it is possible to plant the seeds to start the process of germinating new ideas, to set the course for new directions. And because the voice of First Nations people needs to be heard and appreciated much, much more than they have been in the past, I'm going to finish with a few words from Leslie Marmon Silko, the acclaimed novelist, poet, and essayist of mixed ancestry from the Laguna Pueblo region of New Mexico, who's known for her lyrical treatment of Native American subjects and is seen as a major contributor to what is known as the Native American literary and artistic renaissance, which began in the late 1960s. She was born on a 10-ben day, the 10th day of this Tresina, which is a day associated with foundational personal authority, symbolic of the full authority of maize, a strong pillar type of energy representative of strength, inner power, and self-determination. Her first novel, called Ceremony, established her as an important Native American woman novelist. I'm including a link to this as well in the podcast post that will tell you more about her. But before I finish up with a couple of quotes from her work, I will provide the reminder that the days of this Tresina are highlighted as always in my Maya Account of Days horoscope blog at whitepuppress.ca, which can also be accessed through Maya Calendar Arts. Dot com, where you can find also posts on related topics and information on such things as coaching services and personalized artworks. Options for working directly with me in terms of exploring how these energies may work within your own lives are also included. As you've seen through this podcast and blog, I often provide examples of how these energies tie in with events and work in other people's lives. But until you actually start working with them personally, much will be missed. Feel free, if you wish, to contact me if you have any questions. Contact information is in the websites as well as information on subscribing to the Horoscope blog. Here are a couple of 
passages from Leslie Marmon Silko's book called Ceremony. Quote, If the white people never looked beyond the lie to see that theirs was a nation built on stolen land, then they would never be able to understand how they had been used by the witchery. They would never know that they were still being manipulated by those who knew how to stir the ingredients together. White thievery and injustice boiling up the anger and hatred that would finally destroy the world. The starving against the fat, the colored against the white. The destroyers had only to set it into motion and sit back to count the casualties. But it was more than a body count. The lies devoured white hearts. And for more than 200 years, white people had worked to fill their emptiness. They tried to glut the hollowness with patriotic wars and with great technology and the wealth it brought. And always they had been fooling themselves and they knew it. Unquote. And another one. Quote, Distances and days existed in themselves then. They all had a story. They were not barriers. If a person wanted to get to the moon, there is a way. It all depended on whether you knew the directions, on whether you knew the story of how others before you had gone. He had believed in the stories for a long time until the teachers at Indian school taught him not to believe in that kind of nonsense. But they had been wrong. Unquote. And another. Quote, he cried the relief he felt at finally seeing the pattern the way all the stories fit together, the old stories, the war stories, their stories, to become the story that was still being told. He was not crazy. He had never been crazy. He had only seen and heard the world as it always was. No boundaries, only transitions through all distances and time. And one more. Quote, I will tell you something about stories, he said. They aren't just entertainment. Don't be fooled. They are all we have, you see all we have to fight off illness and death. You don't have anything if you don't have the stories. 
Their evil is mighty, but it can't stand up to our stories. So they try to destroy the stories. Let the stories be confused or forgotten. They would like that. They would be happy because we would be defenseless then. Unquote. The stories of all the wonderful cultures that make up this planet of ours need to be told, need to be heard. Even the story of this ancient calendar that still finds a way to help us understand what's going on on levels far beyond that of our physical senses is not only a story unto itself, but it's also a storyteller. Let's listen to more of these stories. They need to be heard. Till later, be well. Enjoy the start of summer and keep safe. Love to all.